Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. In this episode, Gary's in Atlanta for the CBT Audio Network Conference. He speaks to an audience of a thousand auto dealers and vendors. Thank you. That was fun. Uh, thrilled to be here. Uh, I do want to go pretty hardcore Q&A uh, and so I will set a framework for this discussion and then we'll do some fireside and then really at the end of the day, the reason I'm trying to push more Q&A is at the end of the day, the content is something that you guys can all Google and, and see over and over but it's so rare for us to be together and I want to go into the details. I think a lot of the way I think about the world is is I call it clouds and dirt, right? You have your strategy, your thesis, the things that matter to you, and then all the magic, the word that's been said so much is hustle, it's the execution. I, I genuinely believe that the reason I have the luxury of standing here and, and having things that are happening to me in my life uh, are only predicated on the fact that not only am I the architect of all the things I do and try to accomplish, but I'm the plumber and the mason and the garbage man as well. I have enormous heart uh, for being a practitioner. The biggest issue in this room, whether vendor or, or owner of a shop or a marketing manager within it, the largest issue is the lack of practitionership across all disciplines to then be able to weigh the benefits. And to me that is something I've become massively obsessed with. I, you know, it's, Frank, where are you? Look, there you go, my man. It's fun to have Frank here. Frank, this is really funny. Frank Lips is literally the first agency I ever knew existed. He sent me a bill for billboards that I bought for Wine Library, and I said to him, what the fuck are you sending me the bill for? Because I actually thought people that sold advertising got it from the people they were selling, not the client. It was like a whole to-do. I'm glad I got my dad to actually pay you. Um, so. <laughs> It's fun to have him here, it's fun to be here, especially the discussion we had, 15 minutes turning into 90 minutes is a rarity, it comes out of the heart and the way I feel about you guys. Uh, you know, the tone that I'm bringing to this talk is very simple. I massively care and could care less of you taking action on about what I'm about to talk about, right? At the end of the day, you aren't my sister or brother or mom and I can only care so much. At the same token, I am baffled baffled at why people aren't recognizing what's happening in the world right now. And it comes out of fear, it comes out of insecurity, it comes out of who's making the judgment call, right? When 73-year-old Stan is making the judgment call and he loves print or outdoor or television or what have you, I'm empathetic that you're pandering to him being the king, judge, and the jury. It doesn't make it right. We are about to live through and we are in the biggest culture shift that the human race has gone through since the invent of the printing press. Like, like please understand that in five to six years, seven years, we've gone from internet dating being the most taboo, weird ass shit that you told nobody about <laughs> to every single person you know swipes to the left and the right. Right? Like, we are living through massive culture shifts. I was told as an early investor in Uber that nobody would get into a stranger's car. Like, there are people in this room that never thought they would buy anything on the internet that only buy Amazon Prime. This is real. And I don't even want to get into the macro 20 year 
dealer brands and cars going direct to consumer and having no need for the middleman infrastructure. That's not even where I'm going because the truth is that will take a lot of time and probably the far majority of the people in this room won't deal with that. But where do you think this is going? Like what the hell do you think is happening? And so we are living through the biggest culture shift that we've ever lived through. This, this goes way beyond should you spend money on Facebook versus a, a billboard or a radio spot. This is how are human beings interacting with each other and what are we really actually living through and how fast is it actually happening? It's happening way faster than people think and the thing that I'm most concerned about is that you're gonna lose off of silly things like your romantic point of view of how you think the world should be. You're gonna lose on how you got here. My friends, let me promise you one thing. What got you into this room today is not gonna get you to the next place. The game is changing constantly and the attention is shifting aggressively. This is the remote control of our lives. This is it. If you don't understand everything that's going on in this device, which platforms, let me remind you, over 50% of our time, humans' time, on a cell phone are in a social network. When you start understanding that, it's not as easy to just disregard social media as this little thing. And let me promise you something, for the people that don't know who I am, I could care less about social media. I could care less about social media. I could care less about technology. I was 19 years old before I ever really even used a computer. I'm not techie. I don't think it's cool. I don't give a shit about gadgets. I only care about one thing. There's only one thing in the world I care about, which is attention. I want to know where the attention is, and then I want to figure out how to storytell to it to make the outcome that I want to happen. Whether that was to sell wine, whether that's to turn you into a New York Jets fan, whether that's to raise money for my nonprofits, whatever my punch, my right hook, whatever I'm trying to accomplish is, I can't do anything until I have your attention. There's a lot, how many people here are vendors, B2B, marketing to dealerships? Raise your hands high, higher. So there's a lot, makes it fun for me. I'm fascinated by B2B, right? I'm fascinated by B2B sales in a world where setting up at conferences, cold blasting emails, using LinkedIn to just spam people 24 7, 365. Like, I'm fascinated by B2B today in a world where I've built a $150 million agency in five year period on the back of using the same stuff I'm pontificating about, including following, one more time, vendors, All the vendors in here, all the people in this room and the world that you're trying to get to live on some social network and you can actually follow what they give a crap about and instead of giving them a spam email in LinkedIn that they've never read ever, you can actually figure out that they care about the Atlanta Braves or cooking or coconut juice or running, actually engage in a conversation you know like a good salesperson and create a gateway drug to a relationship that you then close business on. So to me what's really remarkable, I would say General Electric, uh, for you that don't know, I have a very large agency, you saw a clip in the video. I would say GE might be our happiest, best client. Because B2B, I'm in B2B now, I grew up in the wine business, that was B2C. You didn't know who your customer was, everybody's your customer, it's expensive, it's hard. B2B is a piece of cake. Just straight up, like I don't know how you feel about that, I'm just telling you, it is. You actually know the name of the human beings that run the businesses that you could do business with. Like, you know, the ability to actually follow what they care about, market to them, get to them is remarkable. 
it's literally shooting fish in a barrel. Yet, everybody does the same tactic, which has no value and aren't able to close. So I, I think about a couple things. I, I think that on a clouds level, on a macro level, everybody in this room needs to start figuring out who the hell they are, what they are and what they aren't, and you need to surround themselves with the things that they're not, right? Self-awareness is the quickest way to happiness, the quickest way to building a business. I know I'm a salesman, I know I'm a visionary, I know I'm not a CFO, I spend zero times on the finances other than to make sure nobody's ripping me off. You know, like, I think spending your time on what you know and you don't know. Now what that doesn't mean is for, at the end of this talk, the three dealers that get inspired inspired and go, you know what, yes, now I'm gonna give 24-year-old Kathy the reins on spending more on social. I wanna remind every business leader in here, how many people here uh, own their business? Raise your hands. You have to be the best practitioner at your business. You have to know. I don't understand how in a world where you would spend 50 or 100 or $500,000 on social or digital media that you would allow yourself to be at the mercy of another human being and by not knowing it at all in a world where five to 10 hours of watching videos or reading or however it's you know, fun for you to consume content will put you in a remarkable place of knowledge of what's actually going on. And there's a website that can help you in detail find all the little details. So I see a lot of you have pads if you wanna write this down. It's, a, it's spelled G-O-O-G-L-E.com. Here's what you do with this site called Google. You type in things like, how do I run Instagram ads to sell cars? And this is remarkable, shit shows up. (laughs) And I wanna remind everybody, YouTube is the number two search engine in the world and as somebody who can't read it for shit, YouTube would be great for me to consume content, audiobooks, I don't care, but I promise you, if I could get anything, anything out of this keynote today, I would get the leaders to not pass the buck to this future world that you don't know and you didn't grow up with, you didn't grow up driving, you figured it out, right? Um, To pass that buck and not put in, I'm gonna say it one more time, 10 hours. 10 hours, six hours, nine hours, 13 hours of homework to understand what's happening on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube and understand what's happening there and searching very detailed things, not you read about a, a juice cleanse and how does, that, how does that work to you when you're trying to sell a $30,000 item. No, no, search selling cars through. I mean, this is just real. There are dealers, and I've spoken on the dealer circuit quite a bit over the last four or five years. Toyota is a very large client. I understand tier one, two, three now. I've become dangerous. I know what pulp data is, shit. I know this world. And so, what scares me, what scares me is how quickly, how utterly quickly with zero days of history and you third generation dealer, how quickly I would fuck your world up if I bought a dealership in your town. Not because I'm so special, but because you're wasting money. You're just throwing money away and I just wouldn't and that would play itself out over time and that's why I've been successful in every business that I've run and every business that I impact. It's just trading attention. If you're overpaying for attention and I'm stealing attention, I will catch up to you no matter where I start. This is the history of the game of business. This is what happens and if you're actually just fascinated by marketing the way I am, I implore you back to Google, go read articles and and books, uh, however you roll, on what happened in the late 40s 
and early 50s when we transitioned from a primary radio society to a primary television society. We are in the full swings. We're in it now. This is not coming. We are in it of transforming from a full television society to a full mobile consumption society. And that's why the stakes are so high. And this will happen quickly. Like, how many people here are retiring in the next seven years? And I don't mean you're gonna crush it for the next seven years and go buy an island. I mean you're old and you're finished. (laughs) Seven years, raise your hand, show me. One, two, one, no that was a selfie, one. (laughs) One, enjoy it, good work. For the rest of you, I want to implore you, if you think there's a lot of tech things going on right now, wait till you see seven years from now. Wait till the platform shift, right? In 2000, 2001, the reason I was able to build a a big business, and this is great to recall Frank, again, I've said this a couple times lately, I shouldn't have done the billboards or the print or the radio or television, not because it was really a bad price, because in that day, it was a good price, it was fine, I was fine with the price of it, it was that Google AdWords was so underpriced. Like, I'm embarrassed when I tell my three to $60 million business story. It should have been three to 150 million because I should have taken every one of those dollars and continued to buy more five cent clicks on the word Cabernet, Merlot, Bordeaux, Chardonnay. But I was doing a full mix. I didn't realize I hadn't lived or had the experience yet to have that moment in time when you have the best hand in poker and you're supposed to go all in. I didn't know. I know today. Right now, my friends, as I tell you, if I bought a car dealership, this is just one man's point of view, that I would spend 95% of my marketing budget on Facebook ads and Facebook videos and influencer marketing, 95. Search is phenomenal, I like search. I like search. Shit, I like drive time radio. I think iHeartRadio Live Read is actually a very good buy. It's one of my favorite things. It's just that Facebook is so ungodly underpriced. The data is so ridiculously clean and correct. And the five to $13 CPMs that you'll pay today to get into somebody's feed, that's it, within a half mile radius of your dealership when they're in consideration to buy a Sudan, that's gonna cost 50 and $80 in three to four years the same way. How many people here have been doing search for their company for more than 12 years? Raise your hand, anybody? There's one back there, two, right? So you remember the prices, they're different now. That's all that's gonna happen in Facebook and the one thing with Facebook, unlike Google with long tail and you can continue to extend it, I just wanna remind people, and this is, depends on how good you are at basic economics called supply and demand. Unlike car becomes this car, becomes this model, becomes this year, unlike wine, goes from wine to Cabernet to Silver Oak Cabernet to 2001 Silver Oak Cabernet, right? There is only one news feed on Facebook and you are competing for that attention with not every dealership, with everybody in the world. And this marketplace, because that's what it is, unlike digital pre-rolls on websites or car-centric websites or billboards or print or television or radio where they create a floor of pricing for their business, this is a marketplace, supply and demand. And it is going to be where everybody's attention is, because by the way, it already is. It already is. I love how I speak to, especially my favorite is like, let's call it the cliche 44 year old marketing executive who argues with me about this. And then her or his entire world outside of work, her, their friend network and that age group lives 
on the phone. My highest conversions right now and best case studies in Facebook is targeting 50 to 70 year olds on Facebook because here's the thing you don't know about 50 to 70 year olds when they're on Facebook, they're the best. They go real slow. (laughs) And so they're just consuming it. This is common sense. This is real. And so you may not like that the world's going more digital. You may not like that your child or grandson uh, are always on the iPad and live in it. You may not like that when you go to a restaurant that couple's sitting there and they're both on the phone the entire time. But I do. I believe your grandchild and your children are gonna live in a digital world. And I think learning this stuff is a good idea. When I go and see a couple both sitting there for three hours, both on the phone, I remember that same couple 20 years ago. They both sat in front of each other and didn't say a fucking word to each other. (laughs) Right? They just sat there and stayed quiet. Now I'm happy for them. At least they're doing what they want to do. Their marriage is broken, not their communication. And so, (laughs) it's true. And so, and so, what I'm scared of is you're making business decisions based on romance. That's what I'm scared of. That you're making business decisions with complete lack of education. You've decided the ROI of Facebook, you have no idea what's happening there. You may not even have a Facebook account and you've definitely never run an ad on it. So that's what's happening. It's not super complicated. That's what's happening. And so that's one big pillar. Attention, underpriced, overpriced. Let's talk about the agencies and vendors in this room. If you do not believe in what you sell, you are out of business. A lot of you have jobs in here. How many people work at a B2B company right now in here, a vendor? If you, if you do not believe in what you sell, you've lost. If your children's health depended on what you sell working and you think, no, 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 I don't want to do that because I know it doesn't work but that's what pays my bills, you need to think about that. It's a losing formula. Everybody I've ever watched, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, has lost with this formula and the way to win is if you believe in what I believe, you need to put yourself in a position to sell what you believe in. The reason I'm the best goddamn salesperson you've ever met is I believe in everything I've ever sold. Every wine I've ever tasted that I sold, any thesis I've ever sold, any idea I've ever had, any investment I ever made, it makes it really fun. I love selling, nothing is more fun than selling what you believe in. Not gonna always be right, but you have to believe it from the get and the enormity, and I'm talking 70, 80, 90% of people that I know that are selling B2B products that they know are jack shit, do nothing, and are not valuable, but it's good to get in because once you're in and you're a SaaS product, you're reoccurring, or this, that, and the other thing, or because your agency sells search or banner or the hell you sell. If you do not believe in it, you need to figure that out. Because that will play itself out and then you're gonna be in a really bad spot. So I'm, I'm here to bring value. That's what I'm here for, so that's my little rant for you guys. Let's go into family business. How many people here are in family businesses? Raise your hand. So this is interesting. This is probably why I like this space so much. There's so much of that. It's probably what attaches me to it. It's why I said I wanted to be here. I, I didn't realize how lucky I was. You know, I was 22 years old. I came to run the business. I'd been in the business since I was 14 and when I say been in it, every weekend, every summer vacation. So I probably spent, you know, 30, 40% of the year in the store since I was 14 years old. I was in it. 
So it was a foregone conclusion to me that when I became 22, my dad would let me do my thing because I'd proved in those eight years, 30% of the time, that I was fucking awesome, right? I, I thought that was a foregone conclusion. I'm 41 years old as I stand here today. My dad was 44 years old when I came home to run the business. The fact that he handed me the keys to the car at that age blows my mind today. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful. I proved it in a lot of ways. He was right because the first two years I ran the business I took it from three to 12 million in sales. So that was good, good bet by Sasha Vaynerchuk. But, but I still am thankful. And so here's why I want to touch on this issue. For the fathers or mothers in this room who are not giving the air cover to their kids, you're better off calling their bluff and giving them some air cover to maneuver in than to have this debate and fight forever. The thing I'm always fascinated by is, and I talk to a lot of dads and moms because they know my story, I'm like, no, no, give them to, like, you know, and by the way, it's so awesome to talk to parents when you get real with them. They're like, no, no, Gary, you don't understand. You're talented. My son Rick is a fuck face. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I get it, I get it. I go, listen, the quickest way to get rid of Rick is to give him two years of some freedom to do something so that you have scores on the table so you could say, Rick, I love you, but look, you're 0 for 16. Everything you've done has been coming down. You, you burned down the, the, the dealership. You, you know, like, like whatever it is. So, so I, I highly recommend on the family business dynamic to allow meritocracy to come through. On the flip, if you're the kid and you're now in year seven and grandpa, grandma's, mom's not letting you do your thing, if you're such a winner, leave. If you're such a winner, if you're so great and mom and dad don't get it, leave. Or save your money while you're getting paid here and go buy something and do something. This is meritocracy. This is capitalism at its finest. This is why we're so lucky. One thing that has to stop in family businesses is the 40-year debate, the tug of war. It's ROI negative to both parties. So, if I can bring any value to this talk today for the people that are in family dynamics, it is the following. Number one, if you're the king or queen and decision maker, give them 10, 15, 20%. Call their bluff, show them. Absorb the short-term business loss and have less family headaches for the rest of your life. If you're the kid and you're in year seven or eight and you're such a goddamn superstar, prove it. Show me, show yourself. Enough, you couldn't convince them through 8,000 beers, dinners, family vacations, move on. Means mom and dad is still hungry, still wanna do it, just because they're 63. I'm gonna be 84 years old and hungrier than all of you combined times 10. This is not an age thing. Hunger and ability is not an age thing. Like, I love when I talk about digital, like, yeah, grandpa doesn't get it. I'm like, yeah, but grandpa built a business. You have 64 Instagram followers. So this is not, you know, like, 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 you know, just, just for the 20 year olds, 30 year olds, this is not like that. This is, you know, I don't, I don't want to amass all this attention on social media because my self-esteem is wrapped up in my likes. I want to buy the New York Jets. This is business. And I want to remind everybody on the recall of the first part, everything you're going to hear from me in the Q&A, in the fireside, I only believe in Facebook and Instagram influencers because it sells stuff. You know, like I'm thrilled to buy banner ads. I'm, I'm pumped to buy direct mail. I don't buy direct mail anymore because I can get the same people through Facebook with better data and customized content for an eighth to 15th of the price. 
I still want them to come to my liquor store and buy a bourbon. I still want them to come in and buy, you know, like, I, you know, again, this is the lack of practitionership. I'm far man Grandpa Rick in here than I am kid 22 year old. I'm, I'm just far that more that. To me it's all practical. We've lived through seven year bubble of good economy. Everybody under 29 to me hasn't tasted a punch in the mouth yet and I don't trust a man until he gets punched directly in the face. Right, so like things have been good. So like you think you're an influencer on Instagram and brands are gonna pay you, mazel tov, but wait till you see what happens when the world melts. So uh, this, is, this is pulling for both directions, right? But again, since I'm over here now, let me swing the other way. Meanwhile, there, you know, you've seen innovation in this industry. You guys are one of the most interesting industries. You've let internet companies get in between you and your actual customer and now you're paying a vig to them. That's your fault. You should have built that, right? You guys know, it was fun to get that reaction from all of you. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is gonna continue to happen. It's gonna get worse and worse and worse and it's gonna get more and more and more expensive and ultimately, if you don't provide value or have skills, you won't be prepared for the world we live in. This is like fitness. If you're not running hardcore Facebook advertising and doing Instagram influencers and trying to do Snapchat filters around the high school to get them to buy your used cars, or get, like, if you're not doing these smart things, you will not be ready for what's next in 36 months. You're gonna keep getting further and further and further behind. If the last innovative thing you did was like buy a yellow page ad, you're in deep shit. <laughs> like, like, really. So, so I, I, here, here are the things. For the owners of dealerships in this room, not only do you need to get serious about this and reallocate your funds, and whether you do it or not, I don't care, but I highly recommend it. Not only do you have to do that, as you do that in parallel, you have to be educated on what you're actually spending your money on. You're probably undereducated on how you're spending your money on Google search or to your outside agencies to to, to begin with, so you're probably a good seven to 10 years behind to begin with. The amazing part about the world I live in is if you've done nothing right, nothing right, in digital marketing the way I believe for the last 10 years, you can literally catch up in a weekend. It's just business. It's the same old thing. It's just really business, I don't know. It's no different than buying you know, a full page ad in a newspaper. It's just a trade. Are you getting, and by the way, what I highly recommend is also putting more teeth around your marketing. I love when people try to debate if it's working in an environment where you have the full funnel. You have the dealership. Put a code in there. Make a special offer. Make them ask for your best salesperson with a secret word that does this. Like, just add one layer of smarts to figure out if it's working and now you understand if Instagram's working better than direct mail versus radio. This is, this is very simple, but what it gets to is people actually just not giving a shit enough you know, like people are cruising along, just like they kind of want it to be the way they are. Everybody's getting lulled into a good economy. You know, my biggest enemy is that you're doing well. My biggest enemy is that you're like, yeah, Gary's probably right up there, but, who, but I've been growing 7% of a year, so who cares? I'll tell you who cares. The guy who thinks you should be growing 39% a year. What's wrong with 39% a year? So, and eight years of a good economy. Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. And then you're really gonna care how every dollar does everything. And for the gray hairs in here like me, we've been through a couple of those cycles. 
So you should not be confused what that's gonna taste like and what that's gonna feel like and how you're gonna be thinking. And so wait, are you telling me that you're gonna wait for Wall Street to melt nine months from now and now you'll get serious about the shit I'm talking about? That's called losing DNA. So I implore you to actually pay attention to what's actually happening in the world and what's actually happening with, again, this isn't eight years ago when I was talking about this. Your 40 and 50 and 60 year old friends live in their phone too. There's a 68 year old man in here who sent a poop emoji last night. (laughs) This is real now. You even know what emojis are. You know, and so it is time to get serious about shifting your dollars. Traditional media works, it's overpriced. New media, the the media I believe in, Facebook advertising, Instagram influencers, Snapchat filters. You can buy, let me tell you what you can do that 98% of you don't know. Recently, Snapchat opened up its open marketplace for filters, which means everybody in this room could put a filter on a Snapchat photo. I know 73% of you don't even know anything about Snapchat or have never been in it, but it's a platform. It went public the other day, I'm sure you heard. (laughs) Plenty of people use it, predominantly people under 35. It was well on its way to becoming the next Facebook. Instagram copied all its features, so it slowed down its age up. So it's, it's sticking for now, 35 and under, extremely strong, 25 and under. 25 and under, for your world, has value. Get them into consideration, set different things. But here's the underpriced thing. Every person here, the way that filter works is you take a picture, and then you swipe your phone to get filters. So little images that can overlay your picture and we like that, okay? Now you can put your filter, your custom filter about your dealership, your face on it, whatever the hell, your logo, this Saturday sale, whatever the hell you wanna roll with, we'll get into creative later. But you can put that over any 20,000 mile radius box for $5 an hour. I, think it's a really good idea for every dealership here to buy the 20,000 mile radius around the four closest high schools to your dealership and to run them between two and five p.m. because there's an enormous amount of selfies being taken by high school kids and I just think it's a good idea. I think that's a good $15 investment. Yeah, dude, right? It's 15 fucking dollars. That's what I would have done when I had no money with Wine Library because I had no money. I built that business from three to $65 million, my friends, on a budget that was $14,000 in marketing in year one, 14,000. But because I made every penny work so well, because I thought about every single thing I could do and I decided email and I decided Google AdWords was gonna get me the most, that 14,000 became 100,000, that 100,000 became 500,000, that 500,000 became three million. And so, yeah, I just, I just don't understand. That's really the truth. I don't understand how you're running your business in 2017 without any knowledge of what's happening in the deep digital world. You know, to me, by the way, I just want everybody to hear this, buying programmatic banners, so in, in math, and I know there's a lot of agency people here, buying banner ads on websites that you don't even know where it's gonna show up, but you're just buying it because it's a low cost is the worst form of advertising in the world today, worse than buying television commercials that I believe not a soul is watching. On the flip side, I genuinely believe that the Super Bowl ad is the best deal in marketing. That paying $6 million to get 30 seconds during the Super Bowl is the best 
deal in marketing. So this is not about digital or traditional. This is about trading the reality of the marketplace. The $2 million Oscars commercial is straight shit. The $6 million Super Bowl is amazing because every American will see what you're saying. The banner ad for $6 CPM on digital, the worst. The bottom of my chart, the worst thing to buy in the world, the $6 CPM picture on Facebook targeted to people within a one mile radius against Polk data for your store, the best. They look the same, they're very different. That, my friends, is the difference between somebody who pontificates and somebody who lives it every fucking day. Thank you. You wanna come up, we'll do a little Q&A? And, yeah, cool, so. Cool, we'll do a little fireside right now and then I'd love to like really get into the details with, uh, with anybody who's got questions. Thanks for having me. Great job, I think it was spot on with the crowd. I saw a lot of, as I know you did, a lot of head nodding. Um, right where you left off. Yeah. I, I, wanna, I wanna pick up on that. Okay. Because uh, you said, here's a guy that's not just pontificating, I'm living it. Yes. And I think that's one of the, your, your biggest messages at least that resonates with me is the fact that you do live exactly what you said. So I know that you do something with the Toyota account. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about when you, when you said attention is the most important thing. Where is the consumer attention in auto today? Facebook. Like Facebook is underpriced attention. It's, listen, our attention's everywhere. But here's the problem. When people talk to me, what are you going to spend your money on? Right, it's just practical, like what are you gonna spend it on? You can spend it on Google Ads, right? You can spend it on banner and digital stuff, right? You can spend it on TV, you can spend it on radio, you can spend it on direct mail, you can spend it on outdoor. Like, what are we gonna spend our money on? To sell our thing. It's, it, the attention's everywhere to some degree, but does anybody think that more people are looking at outdoor today than a decade ago, now that every passenger in every car looks at their cell phone while they're driving? It can't be as valuable. It just can't, it's, it, it's, not, it's not common sense, right? Do you, how many people have been on email for 15 plus years, raise your hand. Do you look at every email as carefully as you did 15 years ago? Of course not. My friends, let me promise you one thing. There's one thing I know more than the sun will come up tomorrow. Marketers ruin everything. It's what I do. The second I saw Snapchat come out, I'm like, okay, how am I gonna fuck up this ghost? Like, how am I gonna sell shit, right? Like, like I'm trying to ruin Facebook. Here's why Zucks is such a beast. Mark knows that attention is his only asset. So the reason, he, the, reason the ads on Facebook are gonna get very expensive is he runs better and more math than any company in the world to know how many ads you're willing to see before you quit and never go back to Facebook and he's gonna give you one less and he'll fill you with as much as possible which is only so many because you gotta see your friends' pictures and your sports thing and your fake news and whatever the hell you need to see, right? (laughs) You have to understand that's gonna get expensive. And wait to Toyota and Honda and Lexus and Nissan as corporate starts trying to get in there as well. There's only one feed. And wait to Coca-Cola. Macy's just closed all those stores. You guys heard that Macy's stores? What you don't know is they closed all those stores to use all that money for Facebook ads. So now all of a sudden you have $80 million more of Macy's ads competing with you and you haven't even started. It's gonna be bad for small businesses. It's gonna be where everybody's paying attention and it's gonna price us out. So I'm trying to get you there now 
so that you get the value now, you learn from it, and then you, in three years, when you're priced out, can start going on Snapchat or whatever's new and replicate the wheel because it's always cat and mouse. And so the, att- the attention's everywhere. But no, I don't think you should be giving Van Wagner or Viacom billboard money. I think you should take that 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, or 6,000 and spend it on pictures and videos and getting into news feeds on Facebook. And I think you should be giving it to attractive people that live in your neighborhood on Instagram to come by your dealership and take a picture on the top of the hood of a fucking car and get people to show up. You can pay an influencer a $1,000 appearance fee who, like in the Atlanta market, Julio Jones on his best day, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on their best day couldn't have more people show up than an Instagram influencer. I promise. I'll tell you a great story. I'm driving to a meeting, I'm with a business partner. There's this three block line in Manhattan at Sephora and it's pouring. I'm on a call, I look at him. He's my partner in a company called Resi which is almost like an open table competitor so he's not my world. I look at him, I go, I'm on a call, I go, YouTube. So I'm just still on my phone, I get done, he goes, he goes I'm finishing up, he goes, what you saying? I said, I said, YouTube, I said, Twitter it, see, if, see what's going on, to see what was happening there. I get off the call, he goes, how'd you know? I go, and so the, what I was telling him was, the person at Sephora was a YouTube star. And he goes, how'd you know that it was a YouTube star at Sephora with that ridiculous line and then the pouring rain? And I said to him, because a real celebrity couldn't have that long of a line. The world's changed. Speaking of that, we're all trying as marketers and, and, and you've got an agency and, and I thought when in New York you touched upon something, you said the importance of having not only the dealer understand where the marketing dollars are going, but how important it was to have a marketing manager and director of marketing in the dealership that knows what they're doing. Yeah, and and if the owner, if she or he doesn't know what's going on, then the marketing manager can trick that person and that happens at every company here. Every company here has somebody in the middle who's doing one of two things, pandering to the old man to like keep their job safe or tricking the old man to keep their job safe. It's just not working. So everybody's losing. I hate it. It's just not right. So, you know, and by the way, the pandering one's devastating. The person may know what to do but they can't sell it through. And they're scared because they don't fully know because they haven't done it enough yet to know if it really works. They feel it, but they haven't tasted it enough so they're scared to take the risk of moving 100,000 to Facebook, not having anything happen, and then losing their job. Um, It's a real chicken and egg thing that is solely squarely on the owner of the dealership. Everything is my fault as the CEO of VaynerMedia, all of it. I hired that person that's a shithead. Right, so like, this is all on the owner's head. She or he has to become educated and then they need to audit their person. First they need to get educated. If, they, if one or two of you, because that's about all I'll get out of this talk, if one or two of you are motivated to actually do this, and I don't mean after this talk and you're jazzed up and you text your son and say, yeah, this guy, I'm gonna do it, and then next Tuesday sales are down and you don't. I mean actually do it, right? If one or two of you are actually gonna do it, the first thing is you need to get educated, read, watch, learn. Then the next meeting needs to be with your head of marketing and you need to say, listen, I know you've been here for six years. I know what the course has been. It's been my course. If I'm saying clean slate, what do you believe in the most? Because I'm looking at things a different way. You've gotta make them feel safe to tell you the truth. They may be a traditional marketer. By the way, not everybody agrees with what I'm saying, nor should they. Do your thing. 
but that's what has to happen. To that point, one of the things we're finding in our- And by the way, there's another problem. How many people here are at agencies, right? I mean, look, and uh, one more time, uh, we're all on the same team, raise your hands, don't worry. Agencies, uh, how many of you are owned by one of the holding companies? Raise your hands. And how many are privately held? Great. So the problem for agencies is they have their business to run. You can't take agencies' advice blindly. They're there to run their business and what they believe in and what their capabilities are. That's like buying everybody's sneakers or drinks or shoes or homes. They're in business. This, this relationship between agencies and clients is a disaster at a macro level. It's a disaster. Like, and by the way, it's not only the agency's fault. If they know old man McGee and I'm gonna keep picking on him, only buys this, that's what they're gonna sell them. Vayner would be 500 million strong right now if I sold people what I know they would buy. I'm obsessed with being historically correct. I have that luxury because I went into the game wealthy already, so I don't need every dollar. And so my wealth is gonna be compounded in a marathon, not in a sprint. I could care less if anybody does anything in this room, agrees or disagrees with me. I just know all of you are gonna think about this talk in four years. That's my ROI. So, you know, the agency thing's a real problem too because there's more margin in search, in programmatic, in television, in print, in radio than there is in doing Facebook and Instagram properly and the truth is I know every fucking agency in the game and audit everything. 99% of them don't know how to do it properly because their clients haven't forced them into that bucket yet, thus they're not doing it. They believe in it, they think it's coming, they've seen the pattern recognition but they're not doing it at enough of a scale, they definitely aren't creatively doing it. I mean we are genuinely on an island of a 250 person creative and 75 person production video company that is native to making mobile content. We don't even think about making content for anything other than Facebook feed, Instagram, like, and that takes a whole different skill set because it's different copy, it's different creative, it's different understanding, it's different understandings of the first three seconds of a video. By the way, let, let me make it more daunting. If you fully believe in this, if your picture and video sucks when you spend all that money on Facebook, you lost. The creative is the variable. So it's not only believing in this thesis of allocation of attention, then you have to be good enough or have the right partners to actually make the pictures and videos that actually make people buy a car. So to that point, one of the things we're finding, it was, I know the vendors out here will agree, and so will the dealers, is there's this change of narrative on metrics. What's working, what's not working. Which metrics to look at, which ones to not. Sales of fucking cars. <laughs> And the way you do that, and the way you do that is by suffocating the marketing. I want to be in a bake-off with your stuff. My picture can say ask for Rick or call. Do you guys know how to get Google phone numbers? Get a bunch of Google phone numbers, use Twilio, make all your separate marketing call a different phone number and then measure it. Not only that, because calls aren't sales of cars, then follow through in which, you know, you might get 80 calls from Facebook, you might get 130 phone calls from the radio, but if you sell one car from the radio and seven from Facebook, because the data you targeted were people actually in the goddamn market to buy a car. The reason you guys spend so much money is you're always spending because you never know when the person's in consideration. Facebook has data of people searching to buy cars and you can get in their feed. I mean, what's the matter with people? I'll tell you what's the matter. You don't know that truth that I know. You didn't know that. You didn't know that. You didn't know that Facebook, you think this stuff that came out the other day about the FBI and the CIA like uh, hacking everything? That, yes, 
Like just assume everybody's looking at you at all times. Privacy is dead. You are naked. You don't like it? Stop using your phone. Let's see how long you last. So yes, it's a huge advantage. And so, you know, the metric is selling cars, man. Like, you know, the reason I want to pay an Instagram influencer who's like a good looking ab dude or a booty chick is because I know 4,000 people will show up to my dealership and three of them might buy a car. And I'm willing to make that bet. I have to at least taste it. I want to see what it looks like. How are you not curious? You touched on the third Let me tell you how you do it. (laughs) You go into Instagram, you search, you search a hashtag, like whatever, you, you just search. Actually, you search, I'm sorry, you go into Instagram, there's a search bar up top, you search by location. So you put in your zip code, your town, it shows you the 12 most trending pictures within a one mile radius of your goddamn town. You then look at all the pictures, I promise you seven of them are attractive, scantily clad, the other five or something else, but you click on them, you see how many followers they have, they're global, it's not like all their followers are from Alpharetta, you know, like they're all over the place, but you click on them and then you, there's a triple little button in the top right corner, that's how you message people, you click it, you DM the person and you say, I own a car dealership, I'd like to pay you to show up at my car dealership this Saturday from 12 to four and you tell your Instagram followers, they'll reply, They'll say how much. You say, I have no idea, some weird guy told me to do this. How much is it? They give you an answer and then you take a risk. You may lose $600. You may crap your pants when they ask you for $50,000 and you realize how real this is and you keep playing and then you try and then you learn. When you're a pioneer, you have to taste it. There's no report, there's no white paper, there's no modeling mixed metrics that are gonna teach you how that's gonna work. When you're the first explorer, you have to taste the berries and hopefully they're not poisonous. As I said to you earlier, we run an agency and one of our focuses is on educating our clients so we feel like they're smarter. Of, of course. But I want to take a different thing that you Please. talked about, which you talked about in some of your other videos. Let's do it. And, and I think it would benefit them to Please. The honey culture. Yes, the honey right. empire. That, that honey empire. That whole concept of somewhere along the line, something tricked in your brain and you said we're too much honey, not enough hard ah. skills to grow. So one, what triggered it? Two, is that part of the reason you can scale your company up to these things? And how far do you know you go to we're too hard, not enough Let me, I, you guys are like, what the hell? So let me explain what he's talking about. <laughs> I. Uh, I want my legacy to be something called the honey empire. My great ambition in life is to buy the New York Jets, which, was, which will mean I'll have to become a multi-billionaire. If I can build a multi-billion dollar net worth on the back of being a good human being and teaching the future generations that you can achieve all the financial wants you have by being nice and being honey over vinegar, that will be far greater legacy than me actually buying the New York Jets. I was very affected by two major things. Number one, Sasha Vaynerchuk. My dad was 22 years old when he came to America. He grew up in the Soviet Union. It's not a good place. I hate when people compare America to anything remotely. When Obama was president, people would say that we were communists or socialists. I laughed. It was a bad place. And my dad got trained that way. And my dad treated his employees like they were the enemy. So I came into a family business where the 11 employees hated my father and it was, I was visceral to that with my own DNA being, I like being liked. Uh, number two, I grew up in Silicon Valley 
that era of Web 2.0 when everybody idolized Steve Jobs. And the narrative on Steve Jobs was he got a lot out of people, but he was tough. And I watched a lot of my friends manufacturing, being mean to their employees because they thought they were Steve Jobs. So I think it's important to bring more value to something that's good to you than you take from it. And entrepreneurship's been good to me. And so I want to leave legacy of something called the honey empire, which is I want to build an empire. Like I just want everybody, like when you guys, like this is so weird, the chemicals in my body are wild. When you guys all raised your hands that you worked at other agencies, I literally wanted to punch you in the mouth. (laughs) Like in my body, it's weird, I'm extremely competitive, it's uncomfortable, it's a flaw, it's extreme, I genuinely actually hate you guys, right? Like like from when we have the jerseys on. When we don't, we can have a beer, but like I kinda wanna put you out of business, right? So I'm there, right? On the flip side, I believe in this honey thing. What you're referring to, because you're following my stuff, is at VaynerMedia and at Wine Library, I did the same thing, which is the first three to four years I run a company, I only do honey. No empire, no meritocracy. I don't care how good you are at your job, I want you to be a tremendous human being. If you're a tremendous human being and you're a schlemiel, you got a three-year career with me in the beginning because I want to so ground the culture in kindness in empathy, in gratitude, in being the bigger man and woman in every situation, in lack of politics, in that. When a company gets to about six or seven years old, for me, and everybody can do it differently, kind of like, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter, you start expecting different things from your seven-year-old, I have a seven and a four-year-old. You expect different things from your seven-year-old than you do from your (coughs) four-year-old. Last year and this year have been a little bit more difficult for my company because I've been putting it all on my back and, you know, a hundred, Schlemiel's and C and D players were getting by because of my ability to grow top line revenue and hide that issue. But what happens when you start building a company at scale is the A players start sniffing out the C players and they start getting frustrated. If they're being equally treated and they're a winner, meritocracy and capitalism start to fail and you start having an issue. I keep a pulse on my businesses because I'm in it every day and I felt that late last year, early this year, was the time for us to make 30, 40 significant cuts that would set the tone that we were now on a different path. So yes, I do think the reason I'm able to scale monster businesses is because I give a shit about my people more than they care about me. I should. I laugh when my friends tell me, how do you get your employees to work as hard as you? You don't. The way you get them to work as hard as you is you give them equal economics to you, which is not what most owners want to do. So I'm a, I only care about what my employees want in their lives. If they want money, great, I'll give them that. If they want work-life balance, great, they can work nine to five. Like, they want to be challenged, I'll move them department to department. I reverse engineer every single person one by one and I try to figure out what they care about every day because it changes. Because 23-year-old Sally, who just moved from Alabama to be in the big city in New York, is gonna be a different woman in six years and she's gonna want different stuff. And so, That's how I think about the honey empire. And it will be the great legacy I leave in the business world. When I write that book, when I put that narrative out, a lot of what Daily V is is that. A lot of stuff I don't show in my vlog in Daily V that we've got in footage which will be released in 10 years because it's now people's lives not on the line anymore. Well, I really do want to leave a big, big business legacy because because I, I feel like I was gifted. I feel like I was naturally gifted. Most. 12 year olds aren't supposed to make $4,000 a weekend selling baseball cards. Like I've got something. 
The same way an athlete has something or an actress or Beyonce, like I'm all time, like I know it. Like you will tell people one day that you were here, I promise you, I'm going to be the biggest, most successful, best business person to come out of this generation. I know there's real fancy people way ahead of me, I will catch them. Um, so, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but you said before that um, no amount of paid advertising is gonna turn bad creative into Correct. Uh, you know, good content. That's so, right. And it might seem kind of obvious, but I think sometimes we're kind of blind to it in this we industry are. of defining what is bad creative. Um, and then also just a second. Are you asking how one defines that? Yeah, I mean, just can I give you a quick answer so you can go to your next one? Yeah, absolutely. You have to produce creative. This is on agencies. Agencies make margin on their creative and aren't looking for efficiencies. They're making it fatter. Agencies need to create more creative, quicker, cheaper, so that we can let it go live in the market because you and I don't get to decide good creative. The boss that owns the agency, the dealership doesn't. Your creative director doesn't. The market does. And if you're relying on one 30 second video of a fucking Jeep going up a fucking hill to like drive your business, you're out of your mind. So the, the only person that decides good creative is the market. So the game now has to be how much creative can we create efficiently at scale to give the dealership as much at bats to sell product. So, because nobody gets to decide beforehand, nobody. Not a fancy person that won a can lion. Not what Ad Age said. Nobody. The market. Okay, and um, thank you for that. And yep. my second question is, um, we're kind of a unique industry in that, and you know it, the tier situation, yes. tier one, yes. tier three. Um, and sometimes the lines get blurred, and I'm wondering if you can kind of uh, create some distinction and define really the roles in advertising for tier one versus three. I think the dealerships in this room should not care about what the mothership is doing. The best lines are the ones that you don't even accept are there. Crying about what corporate's doing is fucking loser DNA. What, are you gonna go to Japan and talk to Mr. Toyota and convince him? Like, 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 like crying about shit you can't control is asinine. It's the definition of insanity. And it speaks to people that are just not gonna win at the highest levels. Like, I don't care, I, every time there's a political presidency thing, like, it's such loser DNA. Like, not Trump, not Barack, not Bernie, not fucking Hillary, no, they're not gonna do anything for you, you idiots. Like, you're in charge. Like yes, you can pay less taxes, fine, but when you paid more, everybody that looked like you paid that too. Come on. Like nobody's gonna do this for you. Nobody cares about your feelings. Nobody cares that you grew up in a broken home. Nobody cares that you grew up in a suburb. Nobody cares. You should care and take full control and responsibility. It's the quickest path to victory. So I don't care what corporate's wasting their money on. You've got your money, figure it out. Or change dealerships. You don't like fucking Mercedes? Go fucking be an Audi house. I don't give a fuck. But don't cry. Right? Like, like everybody's crying. Like, if you're sad, switch. Hey, man. You're good. So, I know you talked before about the Samsung ad on your phone. Yes. 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 If you were out buying a car today, what's one thing that would make you turn away from the dealership for forever? 
You know, truth is with cars, they're so utilitarian to me. Like, I know nothing about cars. Like, I love when my friends try to talk to me about horsepower or fucking this, that. Like, I know dick shit about cars. Like, <laughs> like the way I bought cars is my cousin loves cars and he's got friends in different dealerships and like, I'm giving you the real answer, which is I'm in this category, I'm just super passive. I'd be the cliche person that literally pulled out of their house and whatever dealership was first, you won me on location if I didn't have my cousin telling me it's word of mouth. So the key is influencing the influencer. Your key to sell me a car is Bobby Schifrin, not me. And guess who can tell you that? Facebook. <laughs> so, so that's me. You know, it's, it's just word of mouth from somebody in my inner circle who does care about it and that's how I've gone from Lexus to Land Rover, like I don't know, fucking whatever. Awesome, thanks. So yeah, much. yeah. Hey man. Hey Gary. Um, I didn't come from a business family, started an auto reconditioning business 14 years ago. Um, I may be the only person in that business here. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of focus on marketing. Yep. My goal is to get to the dealers to bring them value. Uh, we also started creative marketing or a media firm. We do video production, but on the human side. Okay. Um, well, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But you mean on the stories of the people at the dealership? The people, yeah. HR, it's great. It's the game. Brand. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out a way to merge those two things because um, I want dealers reconditioning business. I want to make the used car look good for sale, which everyone still wants when they see the car. Um, but I'm also trying to leverage the, the human element, the messaging, the creative to get the dealer's door. So from a B2B side for me, um, you just have to ask. You're actually doing it. You just might not be converting at the level that you like. So then either your ask isn't strong, right? Or it's just the serendipity of the people you've talked to. No, you're right, it's the ask. It's the ask. It's pretty obvious though. It's funny how, it's, but it's interesting, but that's how it is, man. Like, bro, this is my world. Like the things that people say to me and the things that, that I don't understand, that they answer this simply and you're like, geez, I get it, it's the ask. Like jab, 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 right hook, remember? Like you've gotta throw the right hook. You just might be in a place, especially if you don't come from business DNA and salesman DNA, that the ask is a little bit difficult, but then if you don't ask, you don't get. And on that note, uh, thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast later. If you didn't you got it, I remember, call, five minutes before I leave. You may have to run with me because I'm running to the airport. I will. Okay. <laughs> Two years ago. 2012. 2012, like excuse me, five years ago. A couple of years Got it, respect. Show. Okay, so Justin from Pitten Social, working in, starting in the automotive in kind of middle of my career. Now, uh, biggest client is there. 2016 was really the year of the jab for us. We hired full-time content creators at all of our big dealerships who they create value-based content for our current customers. You know, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. Not selling, but this year we're trying to get into throwing some right hooks. And I did a deep dive in the data for the client and it's like, AdWords is a big waste of money if you're not watching it very carefully. So we've hired a By the way, real quick, everything is. Right. Facebook is a big waste of money. Radio is a big waste of money. Influencer marketing is a big waste of money. When you're not watching, you're losing. Yeah. So the group has hired, we've, we've hired a full-time guy to basically look at data for what we're doing and really move over from AdWords into Facebook. Yep. Um, and we're trying to get like micro-targeting and you know. But it's really, and it's really hard, right? Like yeah. Google's amazing. Like search is great because it's intent-based marketing. I'm looking to buy a car this week. Like it's incredibly good marketing. When you jump to Facebook, now you're in the art game, right? Google's blue letters and intent. Facebook, you can get in front of better people at scale, but you have to be good at the creative. And that's hard. 
So as we're digging into that, though, like some of the markets we're in, we could take our average budget and get in front of every, if we took $10,000 and put it in our city, we'd be in front of everybody all of the time. That's like important. Own it. But do you end up hurting yourself by kind of flooding it? No. Where everybody just sees no. you all the time? Nope, because they won't. They won't see you all the time. Just because you're in the news feed, they might have been going through it and their kid dropped something and now they just missed you. Like, people's attention is very difficult to catch. There's no such thing as overexposure in our new world. We're not in three channels and six newspapers anymore. Like, yes, a trillion people watched MASH. You know, like, have you seen the numbers on how many people watched MASH or who shot JR? Then last episode of Seinfeld, people didn't know. Everybody predicted the biggest. It was a big drop off because the internet was already around. Now, the number one show on TV is a blip. Number one show on television today, last year Empire, or two years ago Empire, as the number one show would have been canceled in 1984. Attention's tough, my friends. So no, no such thing as overexposure. You see, you know how I always talk lately, for the guys and gals that know me, like watch me, don't listen to me? I'm pumping out so much fucking content. You guys love me with all your heart and you can't keep up on your best day. I'm doing that because of what I believe, which is you can't have overexposure. Couple things, right? If we were, like I've been predicting the crash for like 24 months now. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nobody to predict the crash. I just know that eight or nine good economic years in a row has its play, but maybe this is the time that it goes 16 in a row. I don't know, you know, nobody knows if we all did. But here's what I would say. This is why I'm so focused here today. What, the way you survive, and remember, and I might have mentioned in that episode, both Wine Library and VaynerMedia were built during bad times. Um, because I'm a practical, you know how I often say I'm, I'm not predicting or I'm not a disruptor, I'm practical. Everything I just said, I just want everybody in the room here, whether you agree or disagree with me, whether I'm right, I, I think I'm gonna play out to be historically correct. I think I'm stunningly practical. I think everything I just talked to you about is March 27th. <laughs> is March 2017 practicality. And I think what you're doing is insanity because it's passed us by. I think you're, you know, people think I'm a disruptor or a futurist or a provocateur. No, no, I'm practical and you're insane holding on to the past. That's why I've consistently made a lot of money. So what I would say is the only way to survive is when you have to let people go, when you're selling, you know, instead of 59 cars a week, four, like when that all starts happening, that's when you have to make all these pennies work like never before. That's why what I'm saying now has never been more important. Because if you actually know how to use Instagram, so let's play out Instagram influencers. Just that one story. You know, booty girl and abs guy want 5,000 now. If the world melts, they're getting nothing. And they're making 71,000 a year right now being an influencer and now they have to go work at Bank of America. They don't want to do that. They liked it when they were taking selfies with tea at their house and living the dream. When you DM them now, you might be able to pay them $100 instead of 5,000. See where I'm going? Just because the market crashes the stock market and forces the economy into a world when down doesn't mean that people are spending any less time looking at Instagram. Got it? that will continue to grow. So now the attention during a down market is gonna be remarkably well priced. Got it? So what you have to do is make sure you actually have the money to do something. The best way to have money is to make more money. Remember that joke I made about 7% and 39%? 
That's when it rears its head. That's when your stable growth that's equal to every other complacent average player's stable growth doesn't give you an advantage. Got it? So that's why I want people to start doing this because if they start reaping the benefits, they'll have short-term financial growth. If they're really smart, they'll stash a couple of those pennies and then they're gonna make those pennies really work when people are looking for money. Gary, you've been awesome. We appreciate your time. I think we went a little bit over, but again, guys, give them a round of applause. Thank you. That's very nice. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.